Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Theologian. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Ty Kordamash, and I'm along here alongside Chad Lewis. We're really excited to be here with you today. Um, we are going to have a discussion around scripture, but we're going to be focusing on different translations of the Bible. Because who knows which is the best? That's a really good question. And one that I'm sure if you haven't heard it yourself, you may have asked it yourself. Yeah. What is, is there a better translation? What's the deal? Why are there so many translations? Do we really need all these translations? What's the point? Who does all the translating? Well, we thought that was a pretty good question and maybe it would be kind of fun to have a conversation about. So here we are, <laughs> ready to have that conversation. So let's get into some of it. So I think it might be, um, I think this is a really interesting and probably a helpful thing for us to begin to think about. So we probably know that there's a lot of different translations in English, mm -hmm. right? That we have all of these Bibles, they're at our fingertips. We can go to a store, we can go to Walmart and find the Bible in several translations, the dollar store. Have you been to Ollie's and seen their Bible section? I'm telling you. I have not. Well, you need to go. It's pretty fascinating. And then, of course, you can always hop online. And whether you go to ChristianBooks.com or Amazon, if you go to Cokesbury, Lifeway, there's so many different options and possibilities. Mm -hmm. And you can find any Bible, any translation. You can have it large print. You can have it compact. You can have it with leather or hardbound or kid versions. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. But let's talk a few crazy details about our world. Did you know that there are over 7,360 living known languages right now? Right now, in our world. Some of them spoken. Some of them only spoken. Yeah. Right. Some some of them are, can't be written or have never been written. So then that means that they're also not languages that have ever been read. Because they've never been written. But in 2018, the Wycliffe, which used to be known as something else, uh, the Bible Society. Now they're called Wycliffe Global Alliance. Their 2018 data showed that 1.5 billion people on this earth still need either portions or the entirety of the Bible translated into their language. There are only Bibles in or a portion of the Bible translated in only 3,350 languages. That is, that just is mind blowing to me. That, that's crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. That number, uh, we're just over here all focused on English. I, <laughs> yeah. And when I think about uh, other languages, 
7,000 some seems incredibly high, but that's probably because I'm grouping language into regions and dialects, mm, mm-hmm. which isn't technically fair. And there's also, if you look into like any kind of mission society, they'll tell you about, you know, so maybe you're in this region of this country and there you're already going to have about 10 different dialects. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get into like mountainous areas and you will find, a, if you, if you go far enough, you will still find to this day groups of people living by themselves with no connection to tribes and populations around them. Mm-hmm. Speaking their own language. Yeah. And, and we, and it happens every year that more people groups are being found. That is just mind blowing. But that's the reality of God's creation and of this world. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So with that in mind, <laughs> right, that we we haven't even begun to be able to get the Bible into the hands of every person on this earth to be able to be read. And yet, when I pull up the Bible app on my phone, mm-hmm. I see that we still have 67 different versions in English. In English. In English. Just in just in English. You can't get one in, in one person's dialect and we've got 67 just on our phone. Mm-hmm. Just on one little app on our phone. That is wild. That is really wild. Something else I find very interesting is that there is a lot of weight put on um certain versions of, of the Bible. Yeah. Um, so if we were to just ask the question right now, what is the most popular version of the Bible? I've got a pretty good idea. I mean, I've got like two in my mind that I think people would say most often. Probably new King James. Okay. And NIV. But I would also add uh, the Catholic Bible because that's still a, a large majority of of Christians. True. Very true. And, you know, interestingly, growing up, I always thought of the King James Version as being the Catholic Bible. Yeah, me too. And that's not the case. Right. Um. So, yeah, I would go with like King James or New King James and then the NIV as being like two versions that are probably the ones that most people would mm-hmm. um, would say, like would be the most popular. Uh, New Living Translation, I think, would probably make that top three. Yeah, that's a pretty, pretty common um, one these days, too. Yeah, that one, I think, was becoming. I don't know if it was already fairly popular, but I know it was becoming popular at least amongst the people that I knew uh, when I was coming out of high school and into college. So, um, uh, yeah, that's interesting too, because, you know, when I was in seminary, the new revised standard version, the NRSV, mm-hmm. that was really popular with that group of people that I was working with. So that's kind of interesting. I wonder, um, cause I don't, I don't really know, but I wonder 
um, which versions or translations of scripture might gravitate towards one demographic group, you know, over another. That would be really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that one. So I don't know. If we could fund a study, that would be, (laughs) that would actually be interesting. We'll get right on that. (laughs) Oh, listen, you know what? Somebody probably already has, and we just didn't, we didn't Google that one. (laughs) So we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, so I'd be curious from our listeners who would say King James is your favorite translation or the new King James, um, who might say the NIV is your favorite or, um, or if that's changed or why that may have changed over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's definitely, those are like definitely major translations that, um, that the major ones that we have. At least ones that influence the culture that they yeah. uh, are born in. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a significant piece too, right? Well, and so, but but the King James Version, when was it written? Um, 1611. That is when the King James Version debuted. That's when it arrived, was in 1611. That, I mean, for us, that feels like a really long time ago. I don't use King's English anymore. Oh. <laughs> you know, I haven't done that in a while either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, only, the only place I think any of us hear a remnant of King's English is reciting the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. That's the only place that we still maintain these and thous. I would also say the 23rd Psalm because so while we say the Lord's prayer every, you know, some of us will say it every Sunday, every funeral that I do, typically the 23rd Psalm is shared. And if people chime in and, and begin to speak it as it's being read, or maybe they're invited to, they will speak it. From the King James Version, mm-hmm. because that's what they've heard over and over and over again. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yes. Yay, though I walk through the valley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't go around saying that very often unless I'm like, yay, that just, yay, that's awesome. Yeah, no. Yay, though I walk. Yeah. But you're right. Other than that, like, when do we ever hear that? Unless you're reading it every day. Mm-hmm. Unless you're reading out of the King James Version. You're not seeing it anywhere else. I think that's probably why we have 67 different versions uh, that have come up over the over the years. Uh, just because language changes. That's um, for sure. You know, when we, when we remember the 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, that almost sounds like a woe. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. a, a woe is me kind mm-hmm. of. Um, so has the word yay changed over the last, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, I'd say 400 so. years? For sure. Um, Absolutely. And I'm sure that there's other other words that would be in the King James um, that just don't make sense mm-hmm. um, for how we understand things today. Yes. 
For example, um, there is a verse that I saw on the top that says, you cannot serve God in money, right? That's that's what makes sense to us. Mm-hmm. In the King James, it says, ye cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? But in, tra- in other translations, it's money, it's wealth, money, money, wealth. But King James says mammon. How do you spell that? M-A-M-M-O-N. And that's just one example. But the King James is, is known for being um, a translation that, that went word for word from the Greek and the Hebrew text. Mm-hmm. Let's also just take a little sidebar for a moment to make sure now that Hebrew and Greek texts have been mentioned, there is not one Greek text. There is not one Hebrew text that all of our translations come from. Every piece of our Greek and and Hebrew, the originals, um, they actually, there are many. (laughs) There are over 5,800 Greek New Testament manuscripts known to date. Yeah. Along with over 10,000 Hebrew manuscripts. And then there's over 19,000 copies in in languages from uh, kind of a Middle East area, in Syriac, Coptic, Latin, Aramaic. So every time a translation is done, translators are using these manuscripts. And so this is not just a simple, like, find something in Spanish, translate it to French. Right. This is, here are the manuscripts that we have. And... And we're going to piece this together. This is this is the same verse here that's right here. Is that the same? You know, there's a lot there's a lot of work that goes into that. Mm-hmm. So so I just wanted to do a little sidebar there as we're talking about that, so that not only are we recognizing how many languages there really are to be able to translate into, we also want to have this over here as some more knowledge of this is where these translations are actually coming from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the King James is known for being like a word for word translation. Okay. Well, that makes sense, right? Or as close to as you're going to get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pretty still close. making sense. Yeah. And there, so the new King James version, which came out in the 80s, I think. Um, yeah. 1982 is when that was published. And the intention there was just to, to use a, a bit more modern expressions. Yeah. You know, so they they don't do all of the these and those, um, but it's essentially the same thing. Okay. But then there's another kind of idea when it comes to translating. Um, so one is like that formal word for word. That would be the King James. Other versions that do that would be the English Standard Version. And also um, uh, the New American Standard Bible. 
Man, there's lots of abbreviations. <laughs> all yeah. of these things. <laughs> Holy moly. But then another, so the other one, because we said that King James is new and New King James, like those are, that's like one that's like pretty standard. Mm-hmm. But then another one that most people would know would be the NIV, the New International Version. Um, And that one, when did that one come along? That was... Let's say in 70s? the May 70s, 70s. Is that right? I feel like 78, but I don't know why. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that kind of makes sense. But so the interesting thing with the NIV is that while they did do, you know. 1978. You were so good. Look at you. <laughs> 1978. Yeah. I don't know how I knew that, but. <laughs> good job. 1978. Good job. Good job. I was going to say, well, that's not the year where you were born. That's for sure. <laughs> no. No. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, but the NIV, they actually kind of went a little further and said, okay, here are, here are the word for word. But that really doesn't make the most sense for us as far as being able to understand the intent behind what those words meant or mean. And so they brought into um, into translation a thought for thought meaning that allows it to just be um, a more dynamic kind of translation, one that makes it easier for us to read and to understand, right? Um, and so the NIV and the New Living Translation, which mm-hmm. actually came out before the NIV. Oh. The original one came out in 1966 of the New Living Translation. Okay. Oh, interesting. So, but that is more of like, let's look at this, which, you know, these are the thoughts that make sense and make it easy for us to understand. They also talk about, there's also talk about how there's other translations that may um, kind of marry the two of those word for word and thought for thought a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the Holman Christian Standard Bible is one that's talked about in that in that vein a bit. But that, I think that might be helpful for some of us to kind of, kind of get and have an understanding of. And obviously, there's so many other translations, so many others that just, good for crying out loud, I mean, it just keeps going, right? The Living Bible, the Message, um, there's just so many. Like you said, like over 60, almost 70 different translations. We can just have English Standard Version. It just keeps going. Yeah. And some of those... Um, they all they all fall within that spectrum from word for word uh, to thought for thought. Mm-hmm. The uh, the message tends to go a little bit beyond thought for thought and is seen more of a uh, like a paraphrase mm-hmm. um, instead of like a revision or reinterpretation. Um, it's tries to take the the ideas concept in scripture and make it tangible in a way that like we're used to reading Mm -hmm. um, that uses the language and kind of sentence structure that we communicate with Mm -hmm. each other with yeah um and 
to a little bit of scrutiny. Some some people would say that that's not quite as accurate as mm-hmm. as other versions, but mm-hmm. uh, still kind of get the point across. Well, and when you're looking for um, an understanding of it, you know, for the way the message, um, I I kind of think of it too as like like word pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a really good novel, you can see every scene in your head as you're reading. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's, that happens a lot with the message. Like you're reading along and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like there's, I, I don't know why, but there's always one little phrase that I always remember. I can't tell you where it is other than in the Psalms, but it talks about like sitting down at a banquet, like with a big roast beef meal, you know, having roast beef. And it's like, okay, roast beef is not in the original. <laughs> Hebrew text, (laughs) but the idea, right. For us to read that, that we're sitting down at this big dinner and it's this big roast beef dinner. Like, like we get that. It makes more sense for us to read that. And then we understand like the significance of that meal. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not fast food. It's not your, you know, usual Tuesday taco night this is a significant meal that we're sitting down to that's taken preparation and time and has more weight to it than just like Tuesday night. Right. So it's like, Oh, I get that. And I can see that. And I can, I can perceive the importance of that meal. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you just read, if you're just reading through, you know, scripture and, you know, you sat down at a meal, you like, you sit at a meal with me, Lord, well, what kind of meal? Like we're just chilling and hanging out and like having breakfast together. And he's like, no, Eugene Peterson, who's the one that, that wrote um, the message. He was like, no, he wanted us to get, no, this isn't just breakfast. This isn't Tuesday night tacos. This is like, this is like, he's sitting with us. Yeah. So I, you know, I appreciate that about the message. Mm -hmm. And some translations do a better job of that than others. Mm-hmm. Being able to help us see and understand that even without going into some big, deep, um, like research, right? Yeah. Like, cause, because let's be real, we need to study God's word. We need to be not just reading it and kind of getting these word pictures, but we need to be understanding all of that. And so we really should be taking time to do some study of the scriptures as we're going through them. And, um, some versions kind of, lead us to an, un, a better understanding than others. And that's just the way it is. A lot of those versions, uh, are marketed differently. Mm-hmm. Study Bibles, military yeah. Bibles, uh, mm. Bibles for young adults, teens, mm-hmm. youth, children. Yeah. Um, the last thing that you should have to do is have somebody's commentary or a collection of commentaries next to your Bible while you're just trying to read. <laughs> Uh, you shouldn't need that. You shouldn't need a concordance. There should be some level of I'm going to read passage of this single book yeah. and be able to at least grasp the concepts right? I think without that's having where, to have other interpretations on top of it. And that's where different translations can be really helpful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you may be listening and going, I knew exactly what she meant when she said mammon. I knew that that meant wealth. I knew that that meant money, 
then the King James version is for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for somebody who is like 16, they're going to be like, nope. Or almost 30. <laughs> oh, there you go. I looked but up really, and, and like, the closest thing that I found, uh, other than the actual definition, which uh, is wealth regarded as an evil influence, mm. um, is reference to a Greek god, a Greek demon uh, who embodies cardinal, the cardinal sin, greed. Oh, well, so, there you go. Now, listen, if you know your Greek mythology, you probably right. also would have been yeah. fine. I I apologize, Mrs. Hartung. <laughs> I do not remember my Greek mythology from high school. But having to look <laughs> those up while reading. Right. Like, that because it's not, instead, it's not, yeah. Like, in the moment, it's not helpful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it is helpful in that you learn new words. True. So you could go that too. Yeah, you could go that way. You could go that way. Or you could say, you know what? I want somebody to be able to read God's word and um, be transformed and let it be just like a meaningful thing right here, right now. And so what's the best version to be able to hand to somebody who's never met Jesus, who doesn't know God? There's a few. Mm-hmm. That might be a little easier, yeah. <laughs> little, just a little easier yeah. to understand because that doesn't mean that, um, we don't get the fullest picture or that we do get the fullest picture just by reading. You can't serve God in money, right? Because you need the context. You need that understanding that there's, that there is an evil there that was also being tried, uh, being portrayed, Mm -hmm. being communicated. And so how do you do that? Well, if you're going to translate word for word, you're not going to get that, right? Because the word for word gives you wealth or money. But if you are using a thought for thought translation, then you're going to end up going, getting the, um, you know, you cannot love God and, um, and, and be con, uh, confined by wealth or be mm-hmm. cons- consumed by wealth. And that consumed by, right, gives you a different connotation. Yes. Different understanding, a fuller understanding perhaps. So so there's that too. Which is interesting because we, we communicate and even, uh, you know, as, as the scenes in scripture were playing out, uh, communication is thought thought for thought. Uh, we use uh, illustrations and alliterations all the time. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting to have a word-for-word word translation on something that is being communicated by concepts and thoughts True. that people are used to. Right. Um, the only time that like absolutely literal word-for-word word is if it's describing actions Hmm. right um so as we read scripture and as time continues to progress realistically uh updates need to be made just to help uh understand what's being said Mm -hmm. um the the imagery i think should change every now and then 
Uh, not dramatically. It's where you lose what's being said, but so that you don't have to, so that you can say what you need to say in as few words as possible. Hmm. Right? Hmm. Like if, if sitting down for a meal and roast beef is on the table, if you can say that in that, in those few words and not a full paragraph, <laughs> then you're doing pretty good. Yeah. You're, you've got an A on communication. <laughs> so, but what, what should be, I think, looked out for um, is where uh, certain translations make uh, footnotes of, hey, we're not exactly sure what the Greek or the Hebrew is here. So this is, in this version, our best guess. It may say something a little bit different in American Standard or New International or, you know, pick a different translation. Um, and that, that kind of awareness, uh, I think, is very helpful when trying to determine, hey, this is a good Bible to read because mm. it's self-aware enough that it's not going to get everything exactly right. Mm -hmm. um, because these languages are now hundreds, if not thousands of years separated from us. And right. making sure that we understand what was said uh, is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to that, if you want a literal translation of the Bible, you're in luck. Because every Bible is technically a literal translation of the Bible. True. Yep. But we were talking about this earlier. You said there's not, there isn't any Bible that's going to say, yeah, we're not literally translating the old stuff. This is just kind of like whatever. <laughs> you're not going to sell anything. Right. <laughs> But on top of that, uh, this is an interesting thing that I found. Uh, we'll take Mark 10:50, just okay. out of the blue. If you wanted a word-for-word -word literal translation of the Bible, this is how it would read in English. Mm -hmm. The but he throwing off the cloak, his he jumped up, he came to the Jesus. <laughs> there you go. Okay. You know what I said? Right. Because... I mean, I could I could puzzle through that. I could stumble yeah. through that. But a uh, a normal translation that you might be used to uh, from the New International Version is throwing off his throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like there's the difference between yeah. I want I want to know exactly what the Bible said versus mm -hmm. I want to know what the Bible says. Yeah, and that distinction is important mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and as language evolves so should scripture i'm gonna get off my little soapbox now that i don't no. know why i got on <laughs> like no it's it's yeah and that i think that's the the importance too of looking at different translations and not being so stuck on one. Oh, yeah there was a group of people at one point that i I was having a conversation with and I was definitely the outsider. You know, I was not, I didn't live in that area. I wasn't from there. And the conversation was about something, some verse of scripture and, um, and they referenced the King James version. And I was like, Oh, what about this version? And they're like, oh, no, no. If it's not King James, it's not real. I was like, Hmm, well, no, they're all real. And, and if that's, if King James is all you've ever heard, then you're used to it. 
But like we've said, it's not what we talk about. It's not how we talk today. And yeah. so there's so many people that don't understand what different words mean today or words have the meaning of a word has changed. And so, um, so I think it's, it's really helpful. It's good that we have so many versions and that we're able to, um, come to a better understanding as we're reading some of these different translations. Yeah. Right. Like two that we haven't even mentioned, and I'm sorry, I'm just sticking on this one verse, but it's the, it's the Matthew six twenty four eleven 11 God or people. Uh, loving God or money, sorry. <laughs> um, you may have heard of the amplified version. And so the amplified version um, puts things usually in parentheses or something like that um, to just kind of help give a fuller meaning or, um, you know, instead of just saying love or peace, it might give you a couple other words to help help you understand the meaning of that usage of the word. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so in the amplified version, it says you cannot serve God and mammon. So interestingly, it uses that word, but then in parentheses, money, possessions, fame, status, or what is, whatever is valued more than the Lord. Right. So that helps to give the connotation and what that really trans translates to, or the concept there to help understand, even if it's still using, um, right. The the old English kind of words. And then another one that's a newer translation. It's not a complete Bible yet, uh, a complete translation. They're still working on translating the old Testament. Um, I think they have maybe three or four books of the old Testament that are available, but you can get Proverbs, Psalms, and all of the new Testament right now in the passion translation. So that same part of that verse says, you can't worship the true God while enslaved to the small g, God of money. So that again gives you the concept, right, that the word mammon really is talking about, to be enslaved to a God of money. Like that, yeah, okay, that's significant. Yeah. That's significant. And that's more than just wealth or riches or money. So really good Good stuff, important stuff, things that you need to think about um, and and recognize that there are a lot of tri- different translations mm-hmm. out there in just in English alone. Yeah. And for good reasons, for good yeah. reasons, too. So my dad has one that uh, everything was arranged to the best that we could figure chronologically. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was it? Zondervan and New International version. I think they did one that was uh, was that the story. Yes. Um, yeah. That was, that was an attempt at, at doing chronological, but also mm-hmm. making it feel narrative. Yeah, that's awesome. I did that study. I actually uh, there was a church that I was at that we actually did um, a study on that when it first came out. They used us kind of as a as a test church, and so for an entire well, not an entire year, but <laughs> for almost an entire year, the pastor preached on, the congregation read through a chapter a week, and um, engaged in small groups together, and had conversation. And it regard and it was the whole Bible in less than a year. But it was it was a chapter a week, and it was the chronological story. 
Yeah. So it would tell you like this section is, you can also read in your Bible, um, first Kings and first Chronicles and Esther mm-hmm. or, you know, or something like that. And that was, it's, yeah, that's pretty powerful to be able to do. I mean, if you're doing all that, that's pretty incredible, but, um, to just read it yeah, like a novel. One of my new favorite versions, uh, is called the action Bible. <laughs> okay. It is comic book form. Yes. That's awesome. Um, I have a copy just because I thought I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, and then I saw that there's actually uh, a couple of different versions of the Action Bible now for different age groups um, who can interact with it in very different ways. I believe it. Um, That's another thing. There are Bibles right now that you can actually like um, connect with an app on your phone. So they have like those little QR code squares Mm -hmm. on different pages and there's, you can like all of a sudden or, and so some of them have QR codes, some of them, it just, it knows the picture of the page. And so you just, you just hold your phone over the page and it will pull up articles and links to be able to read more here or there, like pull it'll pull up a map and you'll have it right there on your phone some of them are just becoming so interactive including our children's adventure bible yeah that we give out to kids um here in our church that's really cool there's also journal bibles now that give you extra space on on the margins to be able to either um write there might be lines that you can journal and write or a space to be able to draw. Um, and that, I mean, they're, they're really doing a lot with Bibles these days. That is something that it took me a while to get past. Mm. The idea of taking notes and marking up my Bible. That um, is a great topic. I think partially because I grew up Catholic mm-hmm. and the idea that the Bible was like, not just God's written word, but like the book above all books yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where like you don't put a different book or something else on top of the Bible. Uh-huh. It sits on top of everything. Yeah. <laughs> so like this this idea that making any marks is like desecrating God's word and I can't. Right. You can take notes. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I had to get past was that paper is so stinking thin Mm-hmm. I don't want like bleed through of like highlights <laughs> and stuff. Uh, yeah. I know that it's gotten better, but sure. like some of the some of the Bibles that I had previously mm-hmm. were just real thin. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to like cut through if I have a sharp pencil or sure. bleed through my highlighters. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's now a great they, industry. They've got the non-bleeding highlighters for your Bible. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, now that they're they've got margins for that that's that's mm-hmm. pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah they do yeah definitely yep that's something that i i mean i'm a sucker for a new bible i will admit it i really am um i, I just appreciate the different versions so much uh niv was kind of what i started with but man there was a while that i would only preach out of the nrsv and 
I just love that study Bible and I have so many notes in it. And then, and then, um, uh, I love the message and the passion translation right now is really speaking to me and I never had a whole home and Christian standard. So I got one of those and I've been doing Bible study with that one. And mm-hmm. it's just so interesting to see. And, um, uh, there's a, a new living translation study Bible. I was fascinated. I was at a bookstore and I just started looking through it. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and all the, oh my gosh, it was just so wonderful. All the notes. And if you're doing Bible study, that's so great to have. Yeah. So yeah, it's really good stuff. Easy access to notes and other information. can be so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a, like, it doesn't have to be a four inch book either like they fit Mm -hmm. they fit a lot into bibles these days which is pretty pretty awesome without having five point font right (laughs) yeah that's the other helpful thing (laughs) (laughs) definitely helpful for sure readable definitely yes indeed yes indeed i found myself enjoying uh the nrsv and the american standard okay more recently um the NIV is my go-to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found that it's just kind of the middle ground that I that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the way, some of the 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 selected words, okay, uh, that change uh-huh. between versions. Um, I don't know. New Revised Standard and American Standard just kind of I like. Oh, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Mm. Um, That's such think, a good point. I think those fall a little bit more. I don't want to say traditional, but like further towards uh, like word for word mm-hmm. on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at least in being like, I'm going to sound snobby now, but like a little bit more academic in their Sure. In their writing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I can appreciate that because that that brings a different context to mm-hmm. verses that I'm used to seeing. Mm-hmm. It is important to get a an eye for the gambit that. Bibles run mm-hmm. and just kind of see on occasion, mm-hmm. you know, th- a different, different way of reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, doing that is like inviting more people to a conversation in a room. Mm-hmm. You're going to get different perspectives, mm-hmm. um, which helps shape your understanding mm-hmm. all that much more and makes your experience richer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's awesome. Really great, really great analogy. Cool. Well, I hope this has been a fun conversation for you. I hope you've learned some things. I hope maybe you've even been encouraged to, I don't know, take a look and see what another translation might might be like to spend some time with. I would encourage you to, if you've got it, if you have a smartphone, um, you know, find an app where you can read the Bible and um, it's easy to kind of switch translations there to kind of see what it looks like before going and buying a new all new one, if that's mm-hmm. what you'd prefer to do. Or maybe even online, there's some great websites where you can pull up different translations. Um, and if there's one you just really feel gravitated to, go ahead, buy yourself a new Bible. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Your old Bible will not be hurt or offended. <laughs> It will rejoice with you that you just have um, a new, uh, a 
new fire for being in God's word and, and reading it and, and coming to a better understanding of who God is and, and what he has to say and, and what he says about you and what he calls us to. And, um, so it, it's okay. You have permission. You have permission. Um, but thanks for being a part of this conversation. I know it's been enjoyable for us and look forward to hearing any of your comments. We will be back uh, the next episode after Thanksgiving. Um, potentially the last episode for the year. Mm-hmm. See uh, how scheduling goes. <laughs> yeah, Christmas gets, well, Advent gets busy. Yes. Um, and as we kind of steamroll towards Christmas, um, we're focusing on that uh, with the rest of the church. Um, but depending on how the conversation goes the next time we record it might get broken into two episodes we might fit it into one we'll just see what happens but uh we will see you guys after thanksgiving absolutely um enjoy time with family and friends um yeah we'll see you then